Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hi, everyone, and welcome to all of our listeners in the United States and around the world. I say around the world. We have 17 countries listening to the show. 17. And you know what? Oh, my goodness. Ireland, what's happened? You were always the largest listener. Now you're number number two of outside the United States, of course, to Russia. And then we have China. I mean, I could go through all of them, but just let me say, I don't care if there's one person listening to the show. I appreciate that you're listening to the show. And you know what? Tell everyone else so that you can spread the news about quality of life for people with disabilities throughout the world. So thank you. Hey, special shout out to Yoshiko, Yoshiko Dart. You know, I love you. And I have to take time to thank our sponsors. First, our lead sponsor for the past three years has been Highmark. Highmark has stood behind me with starting the company, with so many things. I love this company. And earlier in the year, we had a sponsor, AudioEye. And I also appreciate your support on everything that you're doing to spread digital accessibility across the United States for everyone. So I am very excited today. Why? I definitely have three rock stars on the show today, three national leaders, three people I know, all of you, you could just know the name if I say Maria Kelly Jill. You probably know who I'm talking about. And that's how you know how powerful our guests are. So from the private sector, Jill Houghton, CEO of Disability In. How are you, Jill? I am fabulous today and, and really excited to be uh, on the show. Thanks, Jill. And we have Kelly Buckland, the Executive Director of the National Council on Independent Living, known to many people as Nickel. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And uh, it's always a pleasure to be on your show, Joyce. It's always a pleasure to have you. And how about this? The new CEO of AAPD. I think the last time when I had her on, she had maybe been CEO for 60 minutes or something. But we're moving forward now. We're moving forward. She is awesome. I love her. Maria Town, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm excited to be here with all of you today. Maria, when you were on before, how long were you CEO? Do you remember when you were on? Wasn't it like one week or something? Yeah, it was one week. I just finished my first week. Well, see, we're, we're moving on. How long is it now? And now I'm now? into my second month. So. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I promise you, we're going to have her on as time moves on here. As a matter of fact, I have a surprise that even the guests do not know. 
I decided, you know, this was asked years ago that we should have like a guest of advisors to have on every so often, leaders in the disability community. And I am, and they're going to be Jill Houghton, Kelly Buckland, and Maria Town. I did this a few years ago, and I, I just got such tremendous response. But what we would do is I would have them off and on throughout the year to talk about employment and other issues like next year. Uh, We'll be talking a lot about the 30th anniversary of the ADA. But I just wanted to give all of you a heads up on that, including our guest who just heard me say this for the first time. So I think we're going to start with all of you telling us about your current role and at your organization, what the mission is. And we will start with you, Jill. Well, uh, my name is Jill Houghton. I'm the president and CEO of Disability Inn. And our mission is to empower business to achieve disability inclusion and equality. Some listeners may uh, recognize our former name, which was U.S. Business Leadership Network. But in 2017, we rebranded because we strongly believe that disability is a strength that corporations have to gain. Did you hear that? I'm clapping. That was a clap. Really, that was definitely an applause. Jill, I got to tell you, I am so proud of you and the board for that name, Disability Inn. I like that. I like that much better than Differentially Abled Inn or whatever, all those names. That really impressed me, and my hat is off to all of you for remembering that disability is a culture, you know, disability pride. We are people with disabilities, so thank you. Kelly, how about you? Yeah, hi, Joyce. Uh, I'm Kelly Buckland. I'm the executive director, uh, as you said, of the National Council on Independent Living or we go by NICL, and NICL advances independent living and the rights of people with disabilities, and we envision a world in which people with disabilities are valued equally and participate fully. And uh, we're mainly a a membership organization for centers for independent living and statewide independent living councils, and then individuals who are interested in the rights, um, both the human and civil rights of people with disabilities. Yeah, so you are definitely uh, a tremendous grassroots organization, and uh, thank you for being with us. And now, how about you, Maria? Hi, Joyce. Uh, My name is Maria Town, and I am the president and CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities, AAPD. And AAPD is a national cross-disability civil rights organization that works to improve the political and economic power of the disability community. So we work to represent all 61 million Americans with disabilities across this country um, in a variety of realms, including employment, and I'm so happy to have this conversation today. Well, actually, one of the things, and Maria, thank you for joining us, that I want to talk about today, you all know that employment is my life. You know, that is my crusade, competitive employment for people with disabilities. And 
we are making tremendous progress. Jill, with Disability and and oh my God, is that a great conference. Wow. Better register now since it's sold out every year. Uh, But Jill, I know that we have made progress. You have made great progress with people getting employed. However, 70% of people with disabilities are still not counted in the workforce, and we have double the unemployment rate. So, you know, I just wanted to get everyone's opinion on this uh, and see what you're thinking is actually, uh, Kelly, I'll start with you. What's your opinion? How can it be next year's the 30th anniversary of the signing of the A and 70% of people with disabilities are not counted in the workforce? Why do you think that is? Well, I, I believe it's because of the uh, archaic uh, benefit system we have in the country. Like we, Social Security still is based off the, basically the same premises it was when it started and um, a lot of the rules are still the same. So people are actually forced to swear that they can't work, that they're unable to work, and that they're going to uh, maybe die within the next year or two in order to become eligible for Social Security. And then um, the, the very opposite of that is for them to, to try to go to work and then lose all their benefits. So... Not only that, but housing benefits and everything else that helps support people in their community by going to work, they jeopardize that. And it takes years to put that stuff into place. And I think people are very reluctant to just give that up and uh, go to work and then lose all their benefits that uh, help support them in the community. Because a lot of those you can't, like uh, personal assistance, for instance, some people pay uh, or would be required to pay up to like $60,000 in personal assistance benefits if they lost their Medicaid eligibility. And it doesn't take a lot of wages to make that happen. And so um, I think the system that we have created over the years and uh, refused to change uh, contributes greatly to that. Yeah, you know what... We are all in mourning with the loss of Marka Bristow, which was devastating to me and to all of us. And I even, I wrote a blog right away, which if you anyone wants to read it, just go to benderconsult.com and go to blog. Uh, but anyway, I talked about how I used a phrase I heard her say way back, like back in, I think it was 1999, when she was the head of the National Council on Disability. I'll never forget, she looked out at the audience because it was, uh, you know, an event outside, and she said, disability and poverty go hand in hand. You know, and it just really impacted me because it's true. And here you are, Kelly. Isn't that a great example of what you're talking about? You know, you can't can't get Social Security unless you're proving you have a disability and you can't work. You can't work to get help. And then when you get help, you don't have enough money to pay your bills. I mean, it's just a terrible, vicious cycle. Uh, Maria, how about you? What do you think? What do, what do you think is the reason that next year 
30th anniversary, and we still have this high unemployment. Sure. I First, I want to say ditto to everything that Kelly said. I think that there's not one reason for this problem, for this disparity. There are many, um, but the one that I want to highlight is that of uh, stigma and expectation. The ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, is an incredible transformational civil rights law, and that law has done a lot to address the physical and programmatic barriers that people with disabilities face when trying to enter the workforce. Um, But addressing the social stigma and, and low societal expectations of people with disabilities has proven to be much harder. Um, you know, the, the dominant message that people with disabilities get about their ability to contribute to society is that, like Kelly said, is that we, we can't work. Um, even when I engage, you know, with various, um, various people in my day-to-day life, I'll get asked the question, do you work? Because the expectation is that as a person with a visible disability, I don't work. Um, you know, what, what new research has found is that youth with disabilities um, are not being told that they can't do this and they can't do that because they're disabled, which is great. That's a sign of progress. But they're also not being told that they can do particular things. Um, so they don't have an expectation of what their future can look like. And so I think we have to do a lot more uh, to address these social barriers, and that will, um, in, <clears throat> that will lead to improvements in the employment rate of people with disabilities. Yeah, and I agree with, every, with both of you. Jill, how about you? So I would also echo that, that this is an onion with many layers. And so I would absolutely agree with both Maria talking about stigma and low expectations and Kelly talking about our systemic issues. And I would add to that that I think some additional barriers are uh, accessibility, that many, uh, that as a nation, we have really uh, addressed physical access, but in this day and age, the, the front door is now digital, and we have to ensure in this digital age that all of our digital channels are accessible. And uh, in addition to that, I'd say that um, business has the power to change the world, and we need to meet them where they're at, and we need to get them started on this journey. And, we, and they need to be talking about what they're doing so that that others can learn um, from their practices. And if they're not sharing and if they're not talking about and if they're not creating cultures where people can authentically own their disability and be proud of disability, not talking about diverse abilities, not talking about being special, et cetera, but owning disability, um, that, that we will begin to tear down some of these barriers to employment. Yes, that I, I so agree with all of you. I mean, this is the thing. There are so many issues. I do focus on the stigma, um, and I and but I want to tell you another barrier is 
lack of work experience. You know, if 70% of people with disabilities aren't counted in the workforce and we have double the unemployment rate, that should give you the idea that I'm going to meet a lot of people that, yeah, they have a bachelor's degree, master's degree, but maybe they've only had internships or maybe they've only had one year of experience or I meet people, um, maybe they were a truck driver or a veteran and then, you know, they had a disability, but they don't have, they just now got their academic background, don't have their, how many times did I hear? Well, Joyce, if, if they had experience, we would hire them. And, you know, of course, this is something people run into all the time. But we do have some great new programs that have come up here in Pittsburgh where companies are working with me, bringing them on contract, giving them experience, um, and then we market them out to another company. But, with, but that's just here. I mean, without question, that is also a barrier. Uh, but that stigma, that, you know, lack of expectations, and then add everything that Kelly talked about, uh, you know, Jill, Kelly, and Maria. And it, it is a big thing. But you know how to change that? Hire someone. You want to change the work face of America? Hire people with disabilities. When you hire people with disabilities, then you see the talent that you're overlooking when right now we are in a tight market for STEM and other skills. And and I really hope that as you hear all of this, you'll think about it. Uh, Kelly, at Nickel, you know, uh, how has corporate America supported you? Well, we've... uh, And why I ask that you're a grassroots organization. Yes, we are, and we uh, we shake things up sometimes, and so, um, but uh, they've been really uh, great supporting us. Um, we have a corporate development council, which you are part of, and uh, we've gotten great support through those corporations, and they've um, really helped guide us too into how to approach corporations and be supportive of them as well and help them. Uh, um, and we've done quite a bit of work real recently with managed care companies uh, because I think there's a real fear from people with disabilities that managed care is going to make it hard, harder and harder for them to get the health care that they need. And so it's important that we're talking to them in, in the first place but uh, through that, we've been, develop- been able to develop a very mutually supportive uh, relationship as well. So, oh, in, fact, I'm, in fact, I'm going to be going uh, this month to a meeting with uh, the Centene Corporation, which is uh, one of the managed care companies that we've worked very closely with. So. Good. That's great. Well, uh, if someone wants to make a donation to Nickel? Did they just go to nickel.org? Yep, and there's a, a big red donate button on the top banner. Okay, you heard it, everyone. Um, I want to move on for a minute to Jill and Maria. Starting with you, Jill, oh my God, as I said, that Disability in Conference is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, it is just 
Gee, and you know, I have to think of a name because AAPD Gala is the Academy Awards of the disability industry. But give me time, I'll think of something. But I mean, when you go to this, wow, it is rocking. And so many companies there, so many federal contractors. I wanted to know, what do you see as a re- in reference to the 7% aspirational goal. What impact do you feel that's having on companies wanting to get involved with different organizations that are oriented toward disability inclusion? So I think that the 7% aspirational goal is absolutely um, driving business out to learn more. Um, But I would tell you that it is, it is our partnership with AAPD and the work that we're doing around the Disability Equality Index where we have brought the community at large together with business to create a tool that's a benchmarking tool that really helps business get started on their journey and really, you know, digs into leadership and culture and employment and enterprise-wide access and community engagement and supplier diversity and non-U.S. operations. And then having Ted Kennedy Jr. as the board chair of AAPD and having him really drive the, the business case that we got from Accenture based on the DEI data, that is demonstrating that it pays to be disability inclusive. And, you know, even though companies get a rating on the DEI, really all it means, even if you get 100, it does not mean that companies are perfect. It says that they're getting started on the journey and they're competitive. So I think what's happening is that they're coming together and they want to learn from each other and they want to one-up each other. And what a great problem to have because they have the power to change the unemployment and the underemployment of all people with disabilities. Uh, oh, and I mean, I want to talk about this more, uh, but and I'll come back to that because of AAPD uh, and Ted Kennedy Jr. partnering with you. Uh, Maria, I just wanted to say, though, we have an amazing gala, the AAPD gala which I am known for years of saying, and this is the Academy Awards of the disability community. But it is fabulous. And I thought maybe, Maria, you could give us just a few little ideas what it will be like this year, which would be in March, because it is the 30th anniversary of the signing of the ADA next year. Absolutely, Joyce. So I'll say... Mark your calendars for March 10th, 2020, because that is the date of the AAPD Gala. It will be held in Washington, D.C. Um, and in addition to it being the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, we are going to come together and celebrate 25 years of AAPD. Uh, so there will be... Um, Lots of reasons to come together. And, you know, I think that the AAPD gala is so important because movements like the disability rights movement need opportunities to celebrate. Uh, We are consistently confronted with uh, low employment statistics or um, 
lower health outcomes, all of these really um, terrible things that the three of us are working to change the tide on. And there's been a lot of progress, but we need moments of celebration to come together uh, and to keep our momentum up. And that's really what I see the gala doing this year. We will have disability rights leaders and advocates from the community. We'll have our corporate partners there, and we will also have uh, lots of political leaders, members of Congress, former elected officials there too. And the, um, my favorite part of the AAPD gala is when we recognize our Hearn Emerging Leaders. Uh, Paul Hearn founded AAPD, and the Hearn Emerging Leader Awards recognize his legacy. And with these awards, we provide uh, $10,000 to an emerging leader with a disability to support the work that they are doing in the community. 2500 of it goes to the individual for being a great person, and 7500 goes to support a project. Um, anyone who is thinking of applying, applications are due tomorrow at midnight, so um, hurry up and get your materials in. But the, the Hearn Awardees are doing such compelling and amazing work, and it really makes me so proud uh, that AAPD can support these emerging leaders and can continue to support the rest of our movement across the country. Right, and I'll tell you, I'm very honored to serve on the board as vice chair, but this is where we have Ted Kennedy Jr. as chair. And he is taking this to such a new level, and it's so great. It's such an honor to have someone like him uh, as our board chair, and I will talk about this for a minute with Jill, but I wanted to say the internship program at AAPD is also phenomenal. I mean, it's really been supported for years by corporate America. Yes, it has, and I'm excited to announce that the internship program is actually growing. Um, we have partnered with Coca-Cola to help them build their own internship program for students with disabilities. So next summer, Coca-Cola will be hosting uh, six interns, five in their corporate headquarters in Atlanta, and one in their government affairs office in D.C. And this is a new model for our internship program, but it gets to um, really what Jill was mentioning earlier. You know, corporate America really does have the power to uh, change the world. And one of the ways that we break down stigma, as you were mentioning, Joyce, is to actually get somebody in there, get somebody into the workplace. And that's what we hope to accomplish with this new program. Yeah, that is right. That's awesome. Well, AAPD... Uh, and disability in, when was that, Jill? How many years ago was that, that uh, the DEI was created? Five years ago. Oh, it's amazing what has happened since then. Amazing. And uh, and AAPD, disability together, jointly uh, created this, and it is as Jill said, a benchmarking tool. But you know what? Ted Kennedy Jr. went out. Well, first he went to Accenture and asked them to do uh, a project looking at companies that are successful 
and their competitors. Do they have disability inclusion and people with disabilities working there? Do they have disability equality? And, oh, my goodness, what a shock when data came out showing that companies uh, that were participating were four times more profitable than those that were not. And it just had, so that was the first impact. But then Ted went to Tom DiNapoli, the comptroller of New York, over $250 billion in pension funds. And then pretty soon he had all these comptrollers across the United States. Then he had investment firms that got together and are saying to corporate America, we are looking at your disability equality, your inclusion. Jill, does that in a nutshell explain it pretty much? Is that how you would explain it? Or do you want to add you to know, that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So under uh, Ted's leadership with the uh, leadership of, of Comptroller DiNapoli in New York and Treasurer Tobias Reed in Oregon, they formed a, a joint investor statement on corporate disability inclusion. And to date, we have 17 signatories that manage over $2.1 trillion in assets under management that are calling on the companies that they invest in to participate in the Disability Equality Index and to advance the work that they're doing around disability inclusion. And I think you're, we're going to see more investors sign on and we're seeing these investors send letters to their portfolio companies. We're seeing these uh, investors pull additional levers because these are the, the top institutional investors. And, and you name the company. And they're calling on these companies to do more around disability inclusion because the Accenture data says it pays to be disability inclusive. Yeah, and that is having, imagine now, CEOs across the United States getting these letters from people as powerful as, you know, you were talking about companies coming on board or other, Bank of America announced this at the Disability In Conference that they were on board. So here you are, your large company, people with all of this investment money are letting you know we're looking at you. I mean, to me... This is so brilliant. Jill, when is the conference for Disability in next year? The conference is July 13th through July 16th in Orlando, Florida. And you can find more information at disabilityin.org and click on events. Stay tuned for uh, registration, etc. By the way, would that also have information about the DEI, Jill? Absolutely. You can go to disabilityequalityindex.org. You can find who the top scoring companies are. In other words, who are the companies that are, have joined us on the journey to advance disability inclusion. You can uh, download the Accenture report. You can see the investor statement. Everything lives on that site. Okay. And when we come back, uh, Kelly, I want to talk about your conference also. But right now on the half hour, as you know, we have our news break uh, every week. And Perry Jude Radisick, are you with us? I'm here, Joyce. Hello. Welcome. 
What news do you have for us today, Perry? Well, on we have a deadline for matters. I'm sorry, Joyce. Yeah, I said on advocacy matters. On advocacy matters. Well, uh, it does matter, and we've got a deadline tomorrow uh, to tell you about with the U.S. Department of Education, and it's a public comment uh, period that ends tomorrow. And the U.S. Department of Education has asked the public for input before they reissue a competitive grant for technical assistance to improve post-secondary transition services. So that deadline is tomorrow for public input. And if you go to disabilityrightspa.org, you'll find all of the information about how to post your public comment. So we have that site up on disabilityrightspa.org. And so five years ago, the Department of Education established a National Technical Assistance Center on improving transition to post-secondary education and employment for students with disabilities. So that grant provided all this technical assistance to state education agencies, local education agencies, vocational rehabilitation agencies, and other VR service providers to implement strategies to ensure students with disabilities leave high school ready for education and employment. So now, as they get ready to reissue this competitive grant opportunity, the Department of Education is asking for feedback. And they want feedback specific to issues related to challenges serving youth with disabilities, what kinds of technical assistance and tools school districts and VR agencies might find useful, and what kind of new and emerging technical assistance needs the Department of Education might consider. So clearly there are many issues out there that school districts face, and this National Technical Assistance Center is really critical to offer best practices and toolkits for our vocational rehabilitation agencies and for school districts. So we know advocacy matters, and if you want to comment, you really have to do so by close of business tomorrow. So visit our website at disabilityrightspa.org for all of the information and links to the U.S. Department of Education so that you can comment by the close of business tomorrow. Oh, and so important. Uh, And I am also honored to serve on this board uh, that is just protection and advocacy, uh, making a difference, fighting the fight. I I just wondered, Kelly, uh, Maria, any of you, do you have any comments to make? I'm sure you were probably familiar with this. Maria, how about you? Sure, Joyce. The the thing I'll say uh, more broadly is that it is so important that people take opportunities to make their voice heard, um, especially ones uh, like the one described on today's show. Writing a public comment may seem daunting, but it's really you telling the government what you believe and what you need to thrive. And so um, take whatever support you need. If you need someone to 
proofread for you or help you type it out, um, but your opinion uh, is absolutely valuable. And the more that people with disabilities can raise their voices to defend things like uh, in-home care or their civil rights or <clears throat> better employment options, uh, the stronger our movement becomes and, and the more progress we can make. So I would just encourage anyone uh, listening, especially those in Pennsylvania, to um, go to the website and consider making a, um, a public comment. Because when public comments are made, what has to happen is the government has to actually read through them and consider them and adapt their, um, their policies to, to those comments. Um, and so the more comments that an issue receives, the more important it becomes. That's right. And, and just like voting, every vote matters, every voice matters. That is so true. Perry, uh, once again, if they go to the website, they can read this? Absolutely. They can read it and find the link to where you can make a public comment on the new five-year competitive grant for transition services for students with disabilities. Okay. And what is the website again? Yes, disabilityrightspa.org. All right. Hey, Perry, thanks for calling in, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks, everyone. Take care. Um. You know, and why I do this, all my listeners, and I've been doing this now for almost two years, but a lot of us, we don't know. Where, where is the news? What's going on in our country on a federal or state or local basis? And Perry gives us an update on all federal action or what's going on in states so that people with disabilities won't know, such as when we talked about uh, the shutting down of Polk Institute right here in Pennsylvania, but then on a national basis, about 14C. So, you know, I just want everyone to have a place. It's like a CNN break. Hey, what's going on? And that's how we find out. Hey, Kelly, um, we didn't get to talk about your gala. And speaking of the 30th anniversary of the ADA, you will be right in the middle of that, correct? Correct, and um, that's another date that people should mark on their calendars, as Maria said. So July 22nd, we will be uh, celebrating the, American, the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, at the Nickel Conference, but it's going to be a disability community-wide event, and everyone's going to be invited, and we're uh, most likely to see somewhere around uh, 2,500, maybe 3,000 people there, and uh, it's going to be uh, organized by um, people with disabilities, for people with disabilities, and it's going to be a big windig. Uh, and as a matter of fact, like next week, we will start to have one of our first planning meetings around that and uh, start deciding what the agenda and the speakers and all that are going to be. But um, right now, some of the things that we've talked about is getting Congress to do a, and the president to do a proclamation, but uh, also talking about trying to get every state in the country to do a proclamation, um, recognizing the 30th anniversary. And then really just we just want to um, have everybody celebrate together uh, this great milestone. And so 
Yeah, we'll be uh, releasing more details as they come, but uh, right now people should put on their calendar July 22nd um, in D.C. at the Grand Hyatt. Now, is what day, is that where that uh, event's going to be with the 3,000 people? Where is that going to be held? Yeah, I just said the Grand Hyatt. It will be there? Wow. Yep. That's going to be unbelievable. Uh, okay, and is that on the 22nd? It is on that day. On the 22nd. Okay, and how long I don't is have the a concert? time to give you, I don't have a time to give you when we'll start yet. We're, that'll be part of our planning next week. But, uh, yeah, that's what, we, right now we know the day and the place. So Okay. And your conference, total conference, how many days is that? The, the conference lasts conference. pretty much a week. So, especially for nickel board members, because we have a nickel board meeting at the beginning and one at the end for the new members that, uh, get elected during the conference, but uh, so it's essentially it's seven days for people coming. Otherwise, it's about it's like five days. So, well, that'll be great this year, you know, with your nickel yep. march and with the 30th anniversary of the ADA. But I'm gonna love that that event you're talking about. Kelly and I were talking one day about remembering. Was it Dredef, or did you tell me it was someone else? Who, who put that one on that I was talking about, celebrating the it was, ADA? It was actually Dredef and Nickel and AAPD. That, that was so on. awesome. Was it that, where was that? Union Station? Where was that? Is yeah, that right? it was at Union Station. Yeah. Yep. I remember. I went to this, and it was awesome. Celebrating the ADA, so many people there, senators, congressmen, everyone. I mean, it was just so awesome. And I know, being that this year's the 30th anniversary of the ADA, and with the groups all working together, it is going to be fabulous. That's a date. Write that date down, July 22nd, 2019. How about that? 2020. I got we got a far way to go yet. All right, everyone. Um, I just wanted to make sure we talked a little bit about what you're doing. Uh, something that we have over the past two months received so many calls about, and that is due to I'm sure all the shootings that have occurred, which really upsets me that these two things would be tied together. That's actually what the Basilon Center and different groups called my show about. I think Kelly was on one, possibly, where we talked about this. But what I'm referring to is saying that mental illness and these gun shootings, you know, go hand in hand. And that is so far off. And you know what it's doing? It is really impacting the employment of people with psychiatric disabilities. And let me tell you, they will not disclose at companies now. They will not. They didn't want to before, but now they won't. And it's very hard for them to gain employment. Um, what are, are you seeing anything, Kelly, uh, you know, in the community that you think is working to change that? Or, you know, what is your perspective on this? Yeah, there's actually been a, a big coalition that has uh, developed around this because we're concerned that 
um, Congress actually will introduce some legislation because uh, of the remarks that the president has made about institutionalizing people with mental illness, and um, Congress actually has has uh, introduced bills before. So there's a coalition that has developed around uh, this whole issue, really, you know, trying to debunk some of the uh, myths and stuff that are uh, going around out there around that this is all due to people with mental illness when we when we know the facts are different than that. And so there's quite a coalition that has built up around this, like 30-some, I think 38 organizations recently signed on to a letter that was sent up to Congress um, basically telling them that we, we will vigorously oppose any legislation that's introduced to target uh, people with uh, disabilities or people with mental illness around the gun violence stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, and the database, a database of people with mental health. I mean, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, all of those things are wrong, and I'm so glad we have that coalition because I am on the board now of Bazelon. And when Jennifer Mathis, we used to talk for years, we would call each other and we'd say, oh, no, another shooting. And what do they say first? And people with mental illness, it's always the shooting. Take these guns away from criminals and people with mental illness. You know, and we would talk about this and how what it's doing to the people with mental health issues and how much of a lie it is. You know, this is not true in any way, shape, or form. People with mental illness often, well, they do. They do hurt themselves more than hurting anyone else. And and so I am so glad you're doing that. The other thing Jennifer told me about is articles she was reading about moving to uh you know, having institutions again. So uh, there, you're just confirming it with what you told me. So thank goodness we're doing that. How about you, Maria? What's your perspective? We are a part of the coalition that Kelly mentioned. And next week, AAPD, along with uh, Bazelon and the Leadership Conference for Civil and Human Rights will be convening a meeting of both disability leaders and leaders from the civil rights community more broadly because there's still a lot of education that needs to happen around psychiatric disabilities and uh, gun violence. Um, You know, I want to say this loud and clear on this show. People with psychiatric disabilities are more likely to be victims of gun violence than perpetrators of gun violence. And um, what we're going to do at this meeting is actually make sure that all of um, these civil rights groups understand that any connection to um, gun violence for people with psychiatric disabilities and mental illness is further stigmatizing and endangers the civil rights of people with disabilities. Um, I want to bring it back to employment, uh, as you mentioned, Joyce, making this connection between incidences of gun violence and psychiatric disabilities prevents people from disclosing, and it increases the stigma associated with all of these disabilities. And 
in reality, there is a large role that employers can play in supporting employees who have psychiatric disabilities. Um, creating an inclusive workforce or workplace means making sure your physical space, space is accessible, making sure your virtual spaces are accessible, but also making sure that the culture of your workplace is welcoming and um, you have an employee assistance program, for example, set up so that if somebody has received a diagnosis recently, they know that there's somewhere they can turn to to talk about what this means for them. Um, you know, I think for a lot of people with psychiatric disabilities, they may fear um, when a incident of gun violence happens and it's connected to mental illness, they might fear for what this means for them. And I think employers really should... Um, should take the position that when something happens like this, they actually reach out across the enterprise to say the rhetoric that we're hearing around psychiatric disability is terrible, and we know um, that this is, it, this is not the case, and we want to make sure that everyone feels welcome here and anyone who may, um, who may be struggling right now, um, whether it's with trauma associated with the violence or with uh, psychiatric disability, has the space they need um, to, to thrive in this setting. Yeah, I agree. That is so very important. You know, uh, last year, or no, a couple years before that, and of course we pre-recorded this, but uh, I think it was the week of New Year's Eve. I think it was New Year's Eve. We had an end of the show, end of the year show with uh, three different people in the disability community. I think it was three women uh, talking about things they've seen in the year and expectations for the next year. And this year, I'm going to do a pre-record with Maria, Kelly, and Jill talking about what they've seen this past year and, you know, what their hopes are next year and for the 30th anniversary uh, of the Americans with Disabilities Act. So be watching the ad on Voice America and you'll know when I'm having these three great leaders back on. Hey, before we close the show, Jill, do you have a message you would like to leave with our listeners today? Well, I'd like to say happy National Disability Employment Awareness Month and announce that Disability Inn today, October 1st, opened up our applications for next-gen leaders. Uh, last year, we had over 1,000 applicants, and this year, we hope to receive even more. Uh, next-gen leaders are college students and recent graduates with disabilities who are studying STEM, business, and finance, and if selected... Uh, get to participate in a six-month-long mentoring program that culminates with a talent accelerator at our conference where they get jobs and internships. So spread the word, uh, disabilityin.org. I'm going to spread the word on something, Jill. Mary and I both want to be mentors. So I'm saying this on national, my radio show, Jill. We both want to be mentors. You're in. 
Thank you. Thank you, Joyce Bender. And, and, and Mary. thank you for being, and Mary, and thank you also for being certified disability-owned business. We, we yes. love and value the opportunity to work together. I want to tell you, I am so honored to be a certified disability-owned business enterprise. You all know I live with epilepsy and I'm hard of hearing. And if you are an entrepreneur with a disability, this is the greatest certification. You've got to get involved. Go to Disability in today. Go to the website and read about it. It is a great, great, great certification to have. Th- thanks for mentioning that, uh, Jill. How about you, Kelly? What what message would you like to leave with our listeners? Well, I will ditto what Jill said. I, happy uh, National Employment Month to everybody. And uh, just everybody should go out and do their part to make uh, employment a reality for people with disabilities. And because uh, it, like you mentioned with Marka, uh, uh, not only does uh, poverty and disability go hand in hand, but it's pretty hard to be independent when you don't have any money coming in. So uh, employment helps make you a more independent person. Well, and I do want to recognize the great leaders that we have lost uh, recently um, and just remember them. That's something we should talk about. Remember that, Kelly, on that show that we have coming up. How about you, Maria? What message do you want to leave with our listeners? People with disabilities are an incredible, incredible uh, talent pool for any employer. And if you see that somebody with a disability has applied for a job, maybe their resume looks a little bit different than you might expect, Um, they're showing you that they have got the will um, and that they've found a way, and so you should hire them. Hire people with disabilities, mentor young people with disabilities, um, and let's change those employment statistics. All right. Hey, thank you so much for being with us today. Remember, everyone, quote for today, lead on. This is Joyce Bender America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you all next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 